in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Greetings from the future! Where after all the post-apocalyptic whatnot, you guys are used to your lakes and rivers being on fire. But today... We're going to talk about one that was on fire well before it was cool. Yeah, I know, right? The best part was the fact that the mayor's hair was on fire, too. <laughs> I remember I was moving in one of my brothers into his apartment in Cleveland. I'm driving back with my dad, and he was like, that river was on fire in the 70s. And I said, Dad? And I, I just looked at him, and I did a double take, and he's like, yep. And the mayor's hair was on fire like it was something he was proud of. (laughs) At least he's like, that that stuff didn't happen in Chicago. And I said, you're right, Dad. I guess that didn't happen in Chicago. They've actually got, I don't know, pollution. (laughs) Yeah, see, I I don't know how the mayor's hair caught on fire, and I kind of don't want to know. I feel like it's going to be better in my imagination. Well, we are the last comic shop, and I'm the host of the most, Andy Larson, and I hope that your hair is not on fire. I hope that you got into some sort of bunker before the bombs fell, or, I don't know, King Kong started throwing giant barrels at people. Whatever happened that caused the kind of situation that we're in now, we are the last comic shop, and we are a place at the end of the world where we decided, hey, if the world's ended, you might as well start reading, because what else are you going to do? I don't know. What? That's, I got my, my regular co-host, uh, Chad Smith, on today's program. Chad, you've been to Cleveland, right? I have. I was going to save this for later. It's actually quite delightful. Oh, yes. They've got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there. I walked into a room, and they were just like, here's like a sound recording booth that they used to have at Sun Records or something. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> what? <laughs> also, on today's program, we've got a wonderful guest. We've got Lindsay Fahey, who has decided to join our madness this week. Lindsay, have you ever been to Cleveland? I have. My Cleveland story, I went there for a wedding, and I oh. think this will tie in nicely. So I was walking around Cleveland in my wedding gear before it actually started. And I remember it being a black dress and a pair of red heels for Christmas because it was Christmas time. And I had I had packed the wrong stockings wandering around downtown Cleveland. Wow. That's wow. the place to do that sort of thing. So. I know, right? I, I'm sure they didn't bat an eye at that kind of... Re- Would not recommend... <laughs> Zero stars. Right. You're less than zero. Yeah. Minus two. <laughs> We've also got uh, my other regular co-host, J.A. Scott, on today's program, who is never a minus two and has never walked around Cleveland in a ball gown, I don't think. J.A., have you ever walked around Cleveland in a ball gown? I have not. In fact, I've <laughs> never walked around Cleveland. I've never been. Oh, you've never been. Oh, you should go. You yeah, should go. Yes, There's a nice little touristy area where as long as you don't notice the sadness on the way in. Yeah. I have been to Akron, but never Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland is like 
what the rest of the world is like now. Like, if you thought that the, <laughs> the post-apocalyptic world was, like, bad, you should have just gone to Cleveland before that all happened. They're ready. And speaking of taste, I did have a question for you, J.A., to start off our show. J.A., it's the end of the world as we know it, and what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Vesper Martini. Ooh. That's fancy. I, I, I didn't actually know how they made one until I watched Casino Royale back in, what, 2006 or whatever. But yeah, I did not know how they made a Vesper Martini, like what actually was in it. And so I had to immediately go out and get one. And it tasted like shit. <laughs> oh, that's made badly then. The Vesper Martini, for those who are who don't know, is three ounces of gin, one ounce of vodka, half an ounce of Lille Blanc, and then you garnish it with a lemon peel. There you go. go I was going to ask, when do they put little tiny scooters in there? All the little Vespers. <laughs> you drink it on the, Vesper, on the scooter. A Vesper. Oh. It oh, comes with a side sorry. of a Vesper. Nice. Okay. Sorry, I was confused. Carry on. Uh, Lindsay, what are you drinking at the end of the world? So there is a distillery in my hometown of Rochester, New York, that makes a bourbon cream that's better than Bailey's. And what I have discovered over multiple experiments, uh, my Christmas drink, which is what I would be drinking at the end of the world, is a combination of this bourbon cream with coffee, coconut rum, and coffee ice cubes. It's, it's usually what I do when I start wrapping presents. And since I have discovered this concoction, wrapping presents now takes weeks instead of like a day. <laughs> <laughs> Real quickly, how do you make, so do you make coffee ice cubes just by pouring coffee in like an ice cube tray? I, I, I know, I, I, don't don't look at me and judge me. I, I, st- I seriously want to think like, how do you? How That's do- it. That's okay. it. So I, I think I had coconut coffee. And so I made coconut coffee ice cubes, threw them in there. And then I was like, well, I have this coconut rum, too. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and like a lot of things happened. Wrapping <laughs> did not. started wrapping my foot and part of my arm. I was like, tape was everywhere. I don't know how this ended up. I got a yes. bow on my head. Uh, Chad, what are you drinking, end of the world? Man, I, I don't have any fancy ice cubes, but just black coffee. <laughs> I feel like if I can stay up, I can see what's going on. I'll get a good show. <laughs> well, I'll say that what I'm drinking at the end of the world is probably the last thing I drank, which was uh, actually a Southern Tier Brewing Company Double X Milk Stout. Uh, I, I often don't drink milk stouts until a certain time of the year. Uh, stouts in general, I like to save them for the, the fall and the winter time because they're my favorite thing uh, in the winter. And uh, this one, I got to say, smooth as a baby. Baby's bottom. This this is delicious. So if you ever had an opportunity to get out to Southern Tier uh, Brewing, that's uh, over there in uh, Lakewood, New York, uh, you can go ahead and pick up their Double X Milk Stout. And I gotta say, it's everything that I'm talking about and more because it's delicious. And you know what always tastes good? It is all more of our show. And we'll be right back with more Last Comic Shop. Right after these messages, we're going to be doing a book aptly titled Cleveland by the wonderful Harvey Picar. So stay tuned for that, folks. Hey, everyone. Brian Thomas here from the former The Batman vs. James Bond show and the upcoming The Night Cave show. Do you like noir, black and white, gritty murder mysteries? Do you like crime stories or even pulp comics? Then you're going to love Nick Palatichuk's debut graphic novel entitled The Greenway. 
1968, and Butch Schultz, a black market merchant, finds that his friend has been murdered in a mansion in St. Paul. Now he is out looking for who did it, while the city's best detectives are on the case. Nick's graphic novel is already getting rave reviews, let me tell you. Zero Supervision Comics Podcast says, a dark, intriguing story that makes you want to know more. The Glenn Thinks Stuff Podcast says, it's explosive, captivating, and alluring. And actor Kyle Hester from The Chair, Zombie with a Shotgun, and Preacher 6 says, can't wait for this book. You got to get on this. Order your copy today at Indie Planet, A New World of Comics. That's www.indieplanet.com. Hard copies and digital copies are available, and now digital copies are only $5. That's where I said it, just $5. So make sure you order yours today. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And, of course, as I said before we went to break, we are going to be doing a wonderful book all about Cleveland by a very interesting comic book talent that, like, honestly, we should have probably covered on this show a long time ago if we hadn't just started this show a couple weeks ago. (laughs) I don't know. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's somebody that Chad and I have been wanting to read books by him for a while now, and my cousin J.A. Scott said, let's finally read some Harvey Picar. And I said, okay, let's do American Splendor. And he said, no. So I said, okay, what do you got on tap for us? And he said, let's do, what was the book, J.A.? Harvey Picar's Cleveland. So yeah, we're going to be doing Harvey Picar's Cleveland on today's program. Written by Harvey Picar with illustrations by Joseph Remnant or Remnant. I don't know. Would you want to be a remnant or a remnant? I think I'd rather be a remnant. I don't know. It sounds kind of like a 1970s action figure that didn't get a lot of play. Did you get a lot of those remnants back in the day? That's true, but remnant sounds like something you'd find in Cleveland. Oh, there's lots of remnants here. (laughs) Well, J.A. is going to go ahead and give us the 10 cent synopsis. So what what was this all about, J.A., since it was your book? Funnily enough. Harvey P. Carr's Cleveland is about Cleveland, not Cincinnati. <laughs> it covers the history of the city. Uh, he writes about the history from its founding on the banks of the Cuyahoga River all the way up through uh, present day when the book was written in the early 2000s. And I believe it was published posthumously in 2012. Harvey P. Carr passed away in uh, the middle of 2010. And not only does it cover the history of Cleveland from its founding up through present day, but also then goes into the history of Harvey in Cleveland. So you get Harvey's story and sort of his life story and how it is interwoven with Cleveland during the oh, time yeah. that he was living. So it's it's really nice. You get this nice little historical lesson and there's some nice little tidbits pulled out, things that even I didn't know, like the fact that the Cuyahoga River caught on fire and how batshit <laughs> crazy is that <laughs> and then uh, Harvey goes into detail about his uh, his three marriages his life before and after his life was made into a movie uh, some of his famous friends and some people uh, that he has uh, grown up with and, and become good friends with in the Cleveland area Okay, and Unlike a lot of what American Splendor is, it's almost a happy love story, a love letter to the city of Cleveland. I think there's still enough cranky malaise in here. (laughs) (laughs) Still feels like Picar. Right, right. By the way, speaking of which, you brought up American Splendor, which, uh, again, a lot of people might have seen the movie starring Paul Giamatti. I have not. Mm. 
so I'm not a lot of people. But anyway, some people might have and not realize that was a comic book uh, related movie because some people just think, ah, oh, it's got to have superheroes or capes or whatever in 40B, uh, a comic book related movie. But actually, American Splendor was based on uh, it was based on that Harvey P. Carr comic book, which we didn't read today. Maybe we'll get to that one. Not to say that I'm bitter. I'm not saying that I would rather. <laughs> Anyways, you know who we hasn't done a lot of talking on this uh, this segment? That's been uh, Lindsay Fahey. So we're going to get her initial thoughts. So, Lindsay, you came on with us. You, we asked you to read this book. And what did you think? So I feel like I have to preface this with the fact that Andy and Chad have been trying to get me to read comic books for nearly a decade now. <laughs> and I am not a comic book person. I've tried on a handful of times. I am a novel reader, and so when I was reading this comic book, I was trying to catalog all of the characters that he started off with, in much the same way that you would catalog character development in a book. And I was getting really frustrated because the opening pages are all about sports heroes, and I'm not sports hero <laughs> hero oriented either, so it was very frustrating and a little concerning that this was the book that Andy and Chad were trying to get me into comic books on. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm going to throw up my hands. This was J.H. pick. I, I, I don't know. Like I, I would have rather picked, like, I don't know, the first uh, 30 issues of Amazing Spider-Man or something. But I don't know. I, that's just me. Yeah, this, this is just the show you were open to be on. Cleveland <laughs> yeah. it is. What are the odds? <laughs> so, yeah, but none of those characters, none of them matter. Like they none really of them, I mean, other than the three wives, that's all you really have to know in this book is that he was married three times and that the third time was the charm, right? Well, I thought something that you just said was really quite interesting, the idea of his love affair with Cleveland, as opposed to the love affairs with his wives, because they do play secondary and tertiary characters. They are more important than a lot of the sports heroes that he brings up in the very beginning. But ultimately, I think the comic book is about his knowledge, his development, and his continued relationship with the city itself. You're absolutely right that... Um he really does love where he lives. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really weird because, like, everybody's trying to get him to move away. Like, <laughs> dude, we got to leave this place. And he's like, I got this job at the VA. It is the best. I'm a, I can be a grade A slacker and I can still get good <laughs> benefits. And I'm not leaving this joint. I got my huge record collection <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> And you were mentioning something about the record collection, weren't you, Lindsay? Like, uh, something that you said. Oh, the third wife. We all were like, oh, the third yeah. wife is the best one. She just what got rid think? of his crap. She just started <laughs> selling it off and throwing it out. All right. That was, that was, that was very cringeworthy for me. Like, I don't know. My wife's been trying to get rid of my crap for years. It's just, it's never going to happen. So I guess, but he still had his book collection, right? Like he didn't get all rid of all of his stuff. Like, I guess, but yeah, I don't know. I, as a collector myself, I'm just waiting for the fire one day that comes and takes all my stuff away. And so I don't have anybody really to blame, but I can just be like, Oh, okay. I guess I have to be done now. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get uh, uh, Chad's thoughts next. Chad, what did you think? I mean, again, were you more interested in his love affair with the city more than his, I don't know, the autobiographical stuff? Or? No, 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 no. I don't care about any of that. So, but I was thinking about this all the way through the book. <laughs> the question I have is, did this need to be a comic book? Because this is, this is comics with an X. This is like the <laughs> underground, like, it's that flavor that's not the capes and tights and, you know, all the weird stuff we're used to being. And so, for the first half of this book, as he's going through the history of Cleveland, I was like, why would you make this a comic book? 
Okay. So I, I just posit that for the for the group. Anybody have a strong opinion well, one way? Or um. I, I, all right. I'll throw my my first out, and, and I'll simply say that. In terms of the art, it wasn't anything to write home about, to be honest. I I don't know how many panels I could watch where just Harvey Picard was walking with his hands in his jacket. Mm. Like, that seemed to be most of the book. It's like, here's more guys with their hands in their pockets. Guy walking down the road with his hands in his pocket. Here's this guy crossing the street with his hands in his pockets. And so, like, I don't know, I was very excited when the, the him and his second wife finally had sex because it was different. Like, it was like, hey, they're under <laughs> sheets. They're not, you know, walking down the street <laughs> having sex with their hands in their pockets. Now, I, but at the same time, Harvey Picar, I don't know, he is one of those books. It's like, it's like the crumb stuff, like American Splendor or, or Love and Rockets. Like, it's, it's something that's like that underground scene, that thing that people don't talk about. So, I feel like he's synonymous with comics, or at least connecting with it. And so to have his autobiography be in comic book form, it, it kind of makes sense. Like it would be, it's the same thing they should have done with Stan Lee. They should have just made his 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 autobiography uh, comic book. Uh, Jay, what were your thoughts? I thought it worked in a comic book form. I liked the the history bits in comic book. It reminded me of like growing up and, and reading, you know, the Sunday comics where you'd have one or two of those comic strips that were historical based comics and usually like two panels on the uh, you know Washington Crossing Valley Forge or something <laughs> similar. Crossing <laughs> so Valley I, Forge. I always I always like those little <laughs> Washington Crossing the Delaware. That's uh, better. I was right. wondering how he crossed Valley Forge. What no, on a, on the yes. Vesper? <laughs> yeah. Point out that Vesper and Vespa are two different things. <laughs> Vespa is the motorcycle. Vesper with the E R is a name. All right, all right, okay. move on. So, so you were saying the uh, I used to always love those little panels where you'd learn a bit about history and you'd see, you know, an artist's interpretation of of that time and place. So I really like the beginning sort of this is Cleveland as it became Cleveland, and I do acknowledge that there were a lot of panels of men and Harvey-esque looking men when it wasn't Harvey walking away, usually from the point of view of the reader. But I felt that the story flowed in such a way that it didn't take away from I didn't mind that every third panel was a picture of Harvey because it's really it's the story of Cleveland and the story of him in Cleveland. And I thought, as you pointed out with American Splendor, it worked in comic book form because that's how we know him. It's the character of harvey picar not harvey picar the real person though i think that this book peels away more of the layers of the onion getting to who he is as an author and as a real person more than say american splendor did or and especially more than uh, what the movie did because the movie you know where a lot of people will know who harvey picar is is a hollywood interpretation of a character that harvey picar wrote in a book Right. It's the reflection of a reflection of a reflection. Mm -hmm. I agree. So what I wanted to bring up was the first chunk of the book. Like I was actually I was impressed with remnants or remnants uh, accuracy drawn buildings and like all these different historical things. But there I definitely was thinking I think this would be better if they were just photographs. You know, because there were so many historical things. I'm like, dude is just photo tracing. You know, he got the sketch up out and he's, you know, photo tracing all these buildings. But where it mattered is when we got into the life of Harvey Picar. When we got into, you know, 
his explanations and him doing all those panels where he's walking down the street. And then I realized, even with those historical pieces, that's where the fact that it was a comic mattered. Because he was able to capture those moments that maybe weren't photographed. And more importantly, I think the eyes in here, Remnant does a great job with the eyes of the characters in terms of expressing what they're, what they're feeling. And like I mentioned, Harvey Picard at the, at the beginning, you know, he has that certain malaise. The like, you know, he's an older guy who's seen a lot of things. And, but there's, there's a mix of civic pride in his city and an anger that it never has reached its full potential. And I think you can see that so many times in these panels, the way the characters look at each other or the anger in their eyes when terrible things are happening or even, you know, like I go back to whatever they were in the factory and there were the two white guys with the black guy in the middle and the two white guys are, you know, kind of side-eyeing <laughs> the black guy. That, you don't get those pictures in history. Or, you know, just sometimes the disappointment of the people on the street. Like, he does a great job capturing what is that, that essence of Cleveland at the same time, not in a way that is like, hurtful or spiteful because trust me i grew up in, in near pittsburgh and so bashing on cleveland is something that's like a side hobby <laughs> uh, the early 2000s they had those hastily made tourism videos were like it's cleveland look there's a guy on a payphone who uses a payphone we do in cleveland yeah and then at the end they're like we're not detroit but <laughs> those were hilarious but th- that wasn't what Picard is doing he's writing this love letter and he intertwines it with his own personal life so whereas the first half I'm like this doesn't need to be a comic book he can just use historical photos by the time I was you know halfway at I'm like oh I get it like I totally understand why this is uh, Lindsay so as somebody that reads a lot of novels like what did you think did you think this needed to be a comic book or do you think this would have been better if it would have been a-, a novel and it just regular prose well actually so I have a couple thoughts. Number one, Andy, I'm not sure what you're doing that you have pockets on when you're having sex. <laughs> but wanted to highlight that. We'll circle around sometime later. Um, <laughs> number two, when Chad first said that, I thought, what other format? Because I am not versed in comic books. I'm not versed in different medias. And I thought, like, like a novella? Like, that would be a history book. And people don't read history books. Comic people don't read format. comics with a either. So I don't even know what a comic with an X would be. So I guess as you guys were talking, what I realized is that the way it was written, because one of the things that kind of threw me for a loop with this, um, and this is part of the reason why I've never really been a comic book person is because I don't always pay attention to the pictures, is that his timeline was wonky. Like there were times where he would go to the present day and then he would backtrack and then he'd go back up to the present day. And I realized it was almost written like an interview. So almost like a script, in which case it wouldn't be a novella, it wouldn't even be a novel, it would be like a play. Okay. So I guess the only format that would work would be a comic book format, if that was if that was the objective that he was trying to reach. No, it's interesting how, how you bring that up, just simply this notion of like it being somewhat of an interview, because that's kind of the way that I started reading this book after a while. Like the beginning of the book is obviously just like him talking about the history of Cleveland and wanting to show a lot of civic pride and being like, look how awesome my city is and things you don't know about it. And I I, I thought he was going somewhere with the race relations that never ended up 
going anywhere really like I, I was hoping that it would go somewhere like oh yeah cleveland has turned things around or oh it's still it's still as terrible as ever or oh it, this is you know and, and, but it didn't go anywhere he was just like yeah there there's one percent of the population i'm like all right whatever but we got to the point where he started talking about his life i thought that was just him just reminiscing and talking to somebody because he spent he said at the end of the book one of his favorite things to do was he'd have like i guess comic book fans would find him and be like, hey, let's talk about American Splendor. And he never, like, evidently he never turned him down. He was like, sure, let's talk about that. But he would barely never talk about the comic. He'd always ask him about his life. And I think when you get into some of these sidetracks that he goes on, like the sidetrack about, I don't know, his friend that owned the bookstore? Oh, the like, three-story bookstore. <laughs> it was like a mini saga. It was like, if this was a Netflix show, that would have been a whole episode. That would have been like a filler one where they were like, let's talk about bookstore guy for like 50 pages. <laughs> I would love to go to that bookstore. I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> it's got pipes with Twinkie fillings still in it. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me think, when after I found out that also that this book, book was written towards the end of his life, um, part of me thought that like that was major, maybe the reason that he wrote it. This was really kind of his last uh, opportunity to kind of say, hey, this was Harvey Picar signing off. Like this was the city that I lived in. This was the city I loved. These are things you should know about. And this was my life for better or for worse. Um, these were all the parts of my life because uh, he did do this before. I think he won an, a Harvey Award back in 1994 for basically writing a book about how his wife got him through his first bout with cancer. Through year. And uh, so, like, he's done this before where he's written, like, kind of, like, his experience is obviously American Splendor as well. But, like, maybe he knew something the rest of us didn't at the time he was doing this. And he just said, yep, I'm going to decide to write something about Cleveland and myself. And so... At that point, I just kind of gave the whole book a break. And I was just like, ah, this is just a guy. He just wants to talk about his life. Let him talk. I'll just listen. It's fine. And so even though lots of people were walking around with hands in their pockets and stuff, <laughs> I, I I gave it a break after a while. And I was just like, ah, let him go. Let him go. Let him talk. It's fine. And you could even tell that this was something that it, it seems like he was doing for himself. Because all the stuff that people know him from, like American Splendor, from repeated guest appearances on David Letterman, like that stuff gets like one panel, maybe two panels at best. And he's moving on, you know, to the bookstore. He's moving on to the time Cleveland had the tallest building in the world for like three months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, have it, I think, I think he, he mentions Crumb in one panel, and it's just a throwaway line. Honestly, the whole reason he, he brings up Crumb is just to say how awesome that one area was, the Coventry or whatever. Like, look how awesome it was. Harry Air, Crumb lived there. And I was just like, all right, fine. Fine. I didn't live there. I don't know. Yeah. Let him go. This is exemplary of what I, what I like and what I don't like about these the underground comic scene is this book is so self-actualized. It's really <laughs> impressive to, to read, like, what he's doing, but at the same time, like, if you look at it on its face, it's boring. Mm. It's boring as shit. It's Cleveland. <laughs> Who cares about Cleveland? And like, oh, this old guy likes Cleveland. So what? But like, do I have a little bit more empathy now? Uh, no, I, no, I don't. It's Cleveland. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I will just say that if, if this is what my history books were like, I'd be much better at history. 
Wow. Like, I, I feel like I learned a lot about him as a person, and I didn't know anything about him starting off. But I feel like I also learned a lot about the city. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will be honest. My favorite part uh, was actually, and as J.A. will attest, like, I'm a, I like baseball. Like, I'm one of the last baseball fans in America. Like, we're a dying breed. And so... I really liked all the stuff about the the Indians living winning the World Series. Like I forgot that like Satchel Paige was one of their pitchers and all this stuff. Like that was stuff was awesome. Like I could have read a whole whole book on that. And for for a little part of that that actually reminded me of another book which I'll be recommending in our uh, second segment uh, as uh, something that's very similar. So <laughs> And speaking of last segments, we're going to get to that right after these messages. So stay tuned for more Last Comic Shop. We'll be getting into what did we ultimately give in, in terms of a, a rating or a grade or whatever you want to say. So stay tuned for that. More Cleveland. It rocks. Have you checked out QuadMProductions.com lately? QuadMProductions.com is your direct access hookup to order the Enigma comic book series and download the Quad M Show podcast. Check the appearances page for upcoming events and contact us with any questions or comments. Don't be the only lonely soul who's missing out on all the fun. Visit us today at QuadMProductions.com. That's QuadMProductions.com. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is time for our grades, rating, review, whatever you want to call it. So we're uh, going to my cousin J.A., who's going to tell us how we're going to rate this book. So what is it, the one out of four this week? Yep, so as you said, every week we pick something that is related to the book we're reading and base it one out of four. Uh, Four being the best, one being the worst. Burning Rivers. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's better than flaming-haired mares. That's right, hair, better than flaming hair. How many floors that bookstore had? (laughs) You know what they they can't do in Cleveland is they can't have one out of four Super Bowls because they've never won one of those. <laughs> ah! oh. Unlike the Steelers. That's a Steelers. <laughs> Cleveland's a delightful city. I had a wonderful time there. They're very gracious and sad. <laughs> in any case. So one out yeah. of four flaming rivers to my cousin J.A. Scott. What are you going to grade this book? I'm grading this four out of four flaming rivers i really enjoyed it i like the story i like the story of cleveland i like the story of harvey Picar in cleveland i felt because uh, i have read a bit of american splendor and obviously have seen the movie so i felt that this as i said earlier peeled the onion more on who harvey Picar is not just as a character but as a real person and as a writer 
And I really enjoyed the writing. And I think uh, what Lindsay said about sort of it being a play where you're jumping forward and jumping back and jumping forward. I really liked that where you were you weren't it, it brought a little bit of tension into the reading. So it just wasn't just sort of a linear, boring, okay, I know where I'm going, I'm at the end. So I give it four out of four flaming rivers. Ah, for his own <laughs> book, his own recommendation, giving four out of four. What are the, what are the odds? No, no favoritism here. Anyways, we've got uh, Lindsay. What are, how many flaming rivers are you going to give this one? I would say three. I think the, ultimately, I learned a lot about him as a person. I learned a lot about the city. And the difficulties that I had with it, with the format and with the book itself was more my stuff because I'm not naturally oriented towards comic books. So I'm more than willing to concede that point. All right. Would you recommend this book to other folks that have never read comic books? Or are you just saying like, nah, I was made to read this book. And as a result, I read this book. I would talk about this openly with other people in regards (laughs) to other comic book formats. And I do have a couple of younger younger like adolescent people in my life who read comic books and i would recommend this to them for branching out purposes yes very good and that is and that is one of the main things we like to do on this show is make sure that people know that there are more things out there than just you know batman putting on his cape and cowl and running around in the night uh chad what is how many flaming rivers are you giving this sucker so i'm gonna i'm gonna split the difference between our other two raiders i'm gonna say it's gonna be three and a half flaming Ooh. rivers like three flaming rivers with an oil slick <laughs> it's it's a disaster waiting to happen but it just hasn't fully developed yet um but no i at the end of the day i enjoyed it and i think one of the things i liked most about it is and jay has sort of brought this up the, the character of harvey p car throughout american splendor and and the david letterman show and all that stuff he's that cranky curmudgeon and you read this and you think about all oh, like Oh, this is him just being cranky, but it's not. It's him, you know, sure that crankiness is there. Sure that little bit of malaise is there. But ultimately, it's a hopeful story. Like, this is a guy who cares about what he's writing about. He cares about what he's revealing. He's mixed it in with his own life. And, like, you can tell the thoughtfulness and, uh, like I I said earlier, the self-actualization involved in this project. And uh, the artist's... Joseph Remnott does a great job. I'm sorry I pronounced his name three different ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he Hopefully he doesn't care. But yeah, no, he was great at conveying that emotion. With somebody like Picard, it's easy to make him into a caricature. And so I thought all of that was, was really well done. And so at the end of the day, this isn't the type of thing I would go back to time and time again. But at the same time, I, I thought what was here, you know, it, it's a worthwhile book. And if you are a Cleveland enthusiast... Uh, check it out. How many are those out there? It's <laughs> a very small fan club. For <laughs> a cranky curmudgeon with glimmers of hope, uh, you might want to give this one a look-see. And if you were a fan of the underground comics, like I think this is definitely something that there's an audience out there for this for sure. All right. Well, I'm going last with my rating. And obvious, this, this was actually... Very, very difficult for me to rate. It, it, honestly, it was. I At times, I wanted to give this maybe a one Flaming River, maybe a two. <laughs> there were many times I actually, I, I had to read this over the course of about three days because I kept on putting it down. Because I was just like, well, I could read about history. That seems interesting. 
no, it's really not. And I put it down. And I was like, I could read the ramblings of an old man and how he's talking about his friends in the book industry. No, I got to put it down. But at the end of the day, I have to give this book a lot of credit for just being different. That's hard to say because, I mean, when it comes to comic books, as I've mentioned on this show already, a lot of people, all they think about is, is, is superheroes and the comic book universe is so much bigger. And the fact that you get books like this that are published in the comic book medium, when, as people pointed out, it could have been easily done as a play, as a novel, as a whatever, but it was decided it was going to be made as a comic book. And as a result, comic book fans can enjoy it. It, it. it has the ability to also bring other folks into the tent and kind of giving you something else to read that is not just, you know, as, as Harvey points out, oh, I figured out, you know, how Superman was going to be Lex Luthor like halfway through the book. Like, you know, he's trying to give you something that's a little bit different. It's a little bit more personal. It's, again, very autobiographical. And as a result, it's, it's neat from that perspective. I gotta say that I wasn't a huge fan of the art. I don't know what about the art style. If I haven't brought it up before, I'm not gonna say that that was a knock on the art so much because there were some panels that were very, very wonderful. But it just at the end of the day, it just wasn't my bag. And so I think that I'm going to say that this is still about a two and a half Flaming River for me. Uh, I, 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 I think that it has the opportunity, as some people have pointed on this program, to be a three or a four. If this is your bag, then kudos to you. It just wasn't mine. It just wasn't for me. And I, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go out and take a look at Harvey P. Carr's work, and especially what ended up being his final work in Cleveland. So, yeah, two and a half for me on that. Any case, uh, I, we're going to get to the part of our program where we're going to give recommendations. So other things that you should be reading or checking out if you want to. If you go to your local comic book shop or local bookstore or whatever, here's some great stuff that you can read in addition to Harvey P. Carr's Cleveland. So we're going to go ahead, as we always do, with giving you three books, uh, three comic books on today's program. And one is going to be a similar book. One's going to be a current book. And one's going to be one out of left field, and then Lindsay Fahey's going to throw in another book just for good measure. That'll be your cherry on top of your Sunday there. So we're going to start off with our similar book, and that's me. So a similar book to today's uh, book actually deals with another hardworking, you know, nose-to-the-grindstone town, my hometown of Pittsburgh. And it is a book called 21 by Wilford uh, Santiago. And it is all about the life story of Roberto Clemente in comic book form. And it is actually a wonderful book because it's um, actually aimed more at uh, adolescents and uh, young adults. So ultimately, you kind of get this wonderful art um, with uh, very dramatic lines and and neat little like, you know, at times uh, Roberto Clemente is like a thousand feet tall and he's running his his legs are huge as he's running around the bases. But every single time he was talking about the Cleveland Indians, which again was one of my favorite parts of the Cleveland book because I love baseball. I just kept on thinking back to uh, this 21 book, which was all about the life story of Roberto Clemente leading up from when he was, you know, he was growing up in the Caribbean and then he came to America and was playing in the, in the, in the South. And then he eventually get with the Pittsburgh pirates and they won a world series and eventually through his death. And so 
Well, I was going to chime in. The art on that book is like the the almost equal but opposite of this, where it's still cartoony, but it's a very stylized, very very hyper awesome on that one. Absolutely, so I, I agree with the twenty one recommendation. Yeah, it is it is great. And again, it's one of those books. Uh, if you're a, a young adult or a baseball fan or just anybody that doesn't think comic books are for you, especially if you're a sports fan, go pick up twenty one because it is a great great sports. Uh, biographical uh, book all about the life of Roberto Calante. So now we're going on to current, and that would be Chad. Chad, what's our current pick for this week? Okay, so I'm going to go uh, outside the realm of the comic shop, and this is a comic that I see frequently uh, on Twitter and on the Facebook. Uh, it's by Nathan W. Pyle. It's called Strange Planet, and there there are books out there. There are compilation books. But the, the basic gist is it's aliens describing everyday things that people go through. Uh, normally there's like three or four panels that go into a comic. I will uh, say that I also recommend Nathan W. Pyle on a number of different levels. His use of aliens to describe human experiences in Strange Planet has helped me to re-envision how to be a therapist and how to be constantly curious and to look into a, another person's personal experience as opposed to what I know of similar experiences. I think it's just fascinating the way that he does that. That is awesome. I, so I was going to give the example. We've got one. It's a four-panel uh, comic. And the first one, the alien husband's there with the wife, and he says, friends arriving soon. The next panel is, let us store regular shapes inside shapes with flat surfaces. And then the friends come, and they say, your home is beautiful. And the couple's there like, thank you. We have things, but we have hidden them. <laughs> and like, it's just that experience of, oh, people are coming over. We have to clean up. We've got to put this here. This is... And then, you know, the weird dances we do in our everyday lives. And so that's awesome, Lindsay, to hear that you're able to take that and apply that. Like, just the way you see things. Sometimes that other perspective can really go a long way. Yeah. I, I've got to also add that that's, that's tremendous, just simply because I feel like that is what a Sunday comic should be. Like, you can't get it in a newspaper or whatever. You have to go online most of the time to get it. Uh, but honestly... If this was like the 80s or the 90s when we still had lots of newspapers, uh, I feel like this would be as popular as Bloom County or The Far Side. I feel like yeah, this would be one of those ones that everyone <laughs> would read every single Sunday. They were like, oh, did you read Peanuts? Oh, did you read Strange Planet? That was funny this week. I liked Strange Planet this week. And you'd or have even like a with, Calvin. Like yeah, Calvin like Calvin and oh, Hobbes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This it's is like, in that vein for sure. So for me, that's that's carrying on that tradition of Sunday funnies. It's in a different format, but it's carrying on that tradition, which is equally important to the comic book industry. Mm -hmm. uh, J.A., you had our out-of-left-field pick this week. Yes, the out-of-left-field is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Uh, this came out uh, between 2009 and 2011. It is the comic book version of philip k dick's novel so not blade runner the movie that everyone will be uh familiar with by ridley scott but the actual novel so this is uh, done by philip k dick obviously the writing uh and the art is by tony parker it was condensed into an omnibus in 2015 and you can find it at various places where people buy their comics or online very well done it won the eisner award and it tells the story that everyone is familiar with, but it's from the actual, the novel as opposed to the movie. So I highly recommend it. It's something a little bit different and talks about, you know, what is it 
to be human and um, sort of exploration of uh, why we are who we are and what makes us human versus uh, a robot. Now, uh, you, you mentioned that it's based on the original uh, Philip K. Dick book. Now, you've read both the Philip K. Dick novel, right, and and this particular uh, graphic novel or adaptation of it. Uh, how much did they skim out? How much is it real? Is it almost uh, word for word, or is they did they? they yeah, it, it's it follows pretty much the entire novel. It's it's a twenty four issue run, so it's a hefty tome. The uh, the omnibus runs six hundred thirty five pages. Wow. So if you're one of these folks like me that doesn't read a lot of books and either listens to things uh, via audiobook or, or <laughs> reads comic books, here's a great opportunity for you to enjoy Philip K. Dick's uh, Android, Do Androids uh, Dream of Electric Sheep uh, without having to read the book. So That's right. It's illustrated classics. Exactly. Like the Moby Dick. <laughs> oh, I love that one. Anyways, we've got Lindsay Fahey. What's our, what's our cherry on top of the Sunday this week? Yeah, so I don't read comic books. Unfortunately, I can't speak on that. Um, what I can say is that if you would like a novel of another curmudgeon, there's a fantastic book, and I cannot promote this author enough. Every single thing I've read of his has been phenomenal. Um, Frederick Backman, he wrote a novel called A Man Called Oath, and it's been on the New York Times bestseller. I can't even tell you how many times, but I've actually personally bought four different copies of it and given them away as gifts. Again, That's like every single book. Yeah, every single book that he's had. He has a book out um, called My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry that I just can't speak highly enough of. If you want to be just taken away for a period of time, definitely look into that book. Oh, very cool. I, I do know, I think, I, I believe my wife actually uh, has read the, the Man Called Oaf. And I have it in audiobook. <laughs> I'll eventually get around to it uh, one time when I've got a long layover somewhere. Uh, in any case, uh, that's all the time we had for the last comic shop. Hope you enjoyed all of our recommendations as well as Harvey P. Carr's Cleveland and our review of that. Make sure that you uh, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on any of those podcatching platforms so that you never miss one of our broadcasts in future. Also, make sure that you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at last comic shop uh, so that you never miss any of our other comic related musings and thoughts and well wishes yeah there's a lot of people we like in life sure why not and don't forget while we may be the last comic shop there's a good chance you probably still have some comic shops in your area. So visit the www.comicshoplocator.com to find one near you and enjoy those comic shops while you still can. Absolutely. And until next week, folks, we hope that you stay safe, stay sheltered, stay out of those flaming rivers. <laughs> That's right. They're bad for your health. Somebody like three-eyed fish and all kinds of stuff. It's not good not good at all and remember no matter what you're drinking always shaken never stirred <laughs>
the last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.